0: Where do you start? Where do you start? You know, Bernie had a big rally yesterday. Uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib endorsed him in Detroit. Uh, that is very critical because one of the areas Hillary Clinton underperformed uh, under in was Detroit when she lost Michigan to an orange orangutan. Obviously, Bernie Sanders won Michigan last year in uh, 2016 in the primary. So that Rashida Tlaib endorsement is going to be very helpful. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. I, I need to start with Joe Biden. I mean, when, when are wh- when are we just going to declare iceberg right ahead and get the hell off this boat? When is the media going to say enough's enough? The man can't construct a full sentence. The man's bleeding in his eyes during debates. The man is now waving the white flag, saying, "I need you, my big super da- super PAC daddies. I need you. I can't do anything." He tells the media, "I can't stop them from donating." So. Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden was approached yesterday by a, a climate activist, and you know, if you don't know, Joe Biden in the past uh, has told millennials, uh, "Give me a break, give me a break." He said to millennials about your uh, your generation, the millennial generation, having it tougher. He said, "Give me a break about your co- student loan debts and, and the climate crisis." I'm not making this up. What what did what what does Biden say all the time? Uh, not joking, not a joke, not not making this up. So let's just hear what Joe Biden had to say. I, I just can't believe this. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm from yeah. noise and I'm terrified for future. Since you prefer, you're now taking Super PAC money, um, how can we how can we trust that you're not fighting for the people profiting off climate change? Look at my and record, past. child. Look you're at my record. well I don't know I don't know what's what's worse the fact that Joe Biden is taking a selfie with someone calling him out and not realizing this person is calling him out he's like let me take a selfie as this person's calling me out or this very very condescending dismissive and frankly I don't know Joseph do you think I'm misreading this it came off to me slightly threatening. He, he's stri- slightly threatened about what is happening, and it's like he doesn't get it. No, like, no, 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 no. But when when somebody... Calls a child? No, 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 but when, you know, it, that was a woman. Yeah. Obviously, she is up in... She's close to his personal space, fine. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But you're in front of a woman saying child. Yeah. I find that... The condescending. Condescending and a little bit... Disrespectful. disrespectful and a little bit threatening. Not threatening like he's going to hit her, but just like that's kind of not something you say like within, you know, one inch of someone. When he says, look at my record, child, on climate change. Uh, well, you were a senator for like 25, 30 years. I don't know of any big thing you did to turn around the climate crisis. I know Bernie Sanders has been speaking about this since the 1980s calling it global warming in the 1980s before the term climate change and climate crisis really came about. I've never heard Joe Biden do a damn thing about climate change. In the 1980s, instead of railing against climate change, he was railing against uh, black people needing to be put in jail more with his crime bail. Um, When Joe Biden was a senator, he was basically bought off by banks, credit card companies who are heavily invested, by the way, in all of these pipelines and fossil fuel projects, which we're gonna get to in a, in a little bit. what is what, what record is Joe Biden talking about that needs to be looked at? Uh, one of his top advisors uh, is on the border or something like that with the natural gas company. It's one of his top advisors now. He is going around the country, New York, DC, Martha's Vineyard, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and meeting and having caviar and having champagne with every last Banker, hedge fund manager in America who are heavily invested in fossil fuel companies. After he was called out, I believe in a town hall, because I think he was doing a CNN. Oh, yes, he was doing the CNN town hall on climate change. The next morning, the next day was a fundraiser he was having with a fossil fuel executive. CNN, somehow this question got in the audience. I'm surprised CNN didn't stop it saying, uh, how could you be talking to us about climate change when you're literally having a fundraiser tomorrow with a fossil fuel executive? He said, well, my my campaign tells me that he, to the letter of the law, is not technically an executive. He's more of a top person and he's not an executive, so therefore I could have a fundraiser with him. I went ahead and did it anyway. Even CNN, even CNN is calling out Joe Biden. This is John King. John King calling out Joe Biden for his fakakta absurdity this is like Joe Biden you know saying like well I can't stop I can't stop uh, these wealthy billionaires from creating a super PAC for me I can't stop them this is like me saying like well you know I just I, I couldn't help but you know I stumbled into the strip club and I can't stop these women from doing a lap dance on me I know Jen's going to be mad at me for this crude comment, but I I just can't stop them from doing this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, I'm not choosing to go into the establishment. No. But I just can't stop them. You can't. It's kind of getting, no, no way getting around it. So Joe Biden, he can't do anything. Even CNN is calling out Joe, let's take a look. And you need money. There have been a lot of questions of late about Joe Biden's fundraising. He says, not to worry. I know I'm the front runner. Find me a national poll, with the notable a couple exceptions. But look, this is a marathon. Yes. This is a marathon. I'm not. I'm not worried about being able to fund this campaign. I really am not. Truly. I don't have personally. Don't have a super PAC. I, I don't want any part of that. I didn't change my opinion. I didn't look. These they're able to go out and do this. Period. I cannot stop them if I wanted to stop them. It's their right to do it. Last part's not true. Uh, last part, it's just not true, and, uh, and Joe Biden knows that, and so he said repeatedly at the beginning of the campaign he didn't want a super PAC, he wouldn't have a super PAC. That, that's not where the party is anymore. Uh, the guy who's building one up for him right now has been with Joe Biden going back to 19, the 1980s. If Joe Biden said, Larry, don't do it, Larry would not do it. Uh, so why that? Why, why not just give an honest answer, I'm not raising as much money as I need, so we're going to go this route. I mean, when John King of CNN is calling you out and admonishing you, you got problems. When the ultimate in-the-tank CNN for the Democratic establishment is calling you basically full of it, you got problems, Joe. You got problems. And here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think Joe Biden is the most recent vice president, been in office, senator, vice president many, many years. If he's having this much trouble with grassroots donations— that he's basically just waving the white flag and be like, well, I can't stop them, wink, wink. Give me your money, super PACs. How is he going to go toe-to-toe with Trump, who, by the way, in fairness to Trump, yes, Trump is bought off, completely bought off. I mean, he's got money from the banks and and a lot of special interests. He also has a huge small-dollar donations engine from his fervent base. So Trump has the special interest money from the banks, Oil companies, big pharma, real estate, Silicon Valley, you name it. Trump's getting those, and he's getting the uh, small grassroots dollars from MAGA Nation. So I'm somebody who says, I don't really think it matters that much because Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump two to one. How's President Hillary Clinton doing? So money's not everything. Obviously, you need to be able to compete, which Bernie Sanders and to a lesser degree, Elizabeth Warren is showing you can compete through small dollar donations, especially when you are the nominee, if you're Bernie, if you're Warren, because then there's no competition for donations on the democratic side and all the small dollar engine will come to you. I think Warren would have less small dollar donations than Bernie would. I think if Bernie's the nominee, you're gonna have a record number of young people voting, which is good. Um, So forget whether you like Joe Biden or not, forget whether you're a progressive or you're a conservative. If you want to defeat Donald Trump, how are you going to defeat Donald Trump with somebody besides the fact that he can't really construct full sentences anymore without stuttering and mumbling? I don't say that to be a jerk. I say that because it's true and it's not going to look good on a debate stage against President Trump. But obviously this indicates a lack of enthusiasm. The Democratic Party establishment completely ignored the lack of enthusiasm that was blinking in red lights for Hillary Clinton. I I know someone in my life right now, love him to death, but he said, oh, Hillary lost because the Russians helped swing it. I've said to this person over and over again, she lost because of the lawn signs. I was there. There was A lot of lawn signs for Donald Trump in the Midwest. There was a lot of energy for Donald Trump in the Midwest. He had massive rallies in the Midwest where Hillary Clinton was going to colleges in the Midwest and getting old people to show up rather than the students. Energy, enthusiasm, things like lawn signs might sound like nothing to you. It matters. It's a sign of enthusiasm. Although there is a a sizable portion of Bernie Sanders' uh, 2016 voter base that has switched to Warren. I do think some of them might come back. I think Bernie Sanders, where he rises in the polls, I think where he picks up momentum is actually from Joe Biden. I've told, I've told you over and over again, the more Biden, and this just shows you how uninformed and misinformed people are from our corporate media, a lot of Biden support is Bernie's base. People making $50,000 or less people with only high school degrees, i.e. the working class. So I got news for you, Joe Biden. If you want to defeat Donald Trump, if you're a vote, new, vote blue no matter who kind of person, I know a lot of you aren't, Joe Biden is the worst. Um, I don't want to be unfair. I don't want to be unfair. Um, I know a lot of you don't like it, but I, I'm not on team like she's as bad as Hillary Clinton. I don't personally think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton, but I do think Elizabeth Warren has gotten one of the most free rides in primary history. I mean, other than Barack Obama in 2007 and 2008 when he was a candidate and the slobbering, adoring coverage he got, which by the way, I was very, very naive back then. I got hoodwinked by Obama, like most of you. Um, Other than that slobbering coverage, I've never seen anything like the slobbering coverage Elizabeth Warren has gotten. It's been a little bit more critical in the last two weeks, I'd say, you know, since she seems to be like ducking and diving all over the place. She can't just give a straight answer. Um, can't just give a straight answer on like, how are you going to pay for Medicare for all? What's your plan? Uh, so there's been a little bit, little bit more critical coverage, but other than that, she, she, she's got a free ride here. And one of the things, and, and you know, in fairness, uh, I've been, Jen and I have been really busy. So we, we haven't looked as far into this as we should have. Uh, one of the things that really no one has gotten into, and, and frankly, I think the New York Times is there's a little credit here. She worked for a – she defended as a lawyer a lot of slimy, slimy big corporations uh, before she was a senator. So there's a bit of a – before I read some of the story, there's, there's a bit of a conflict here between someone who deserves credit for uh, being the driving force between creating the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and somebody who has said, I've been fighting for consumers and the working class – all of my life, there's a conflict there between that and defending Dow Chemical, Dow Chemical as a lawyer, and defending uh, other corporations who have done very, very much harm to vulnerable cum- communities, including women. Uh, I won't read the whole article. In 1995, she found herself up against the Clinton administration, representing the Cleveland-based conglomerate LTV Steel. Even though LTV had sold off its coal mines during the 1980s, a new law required it to contribute to a health fund for retired coal miners. You know, that health fund, obviously, to their respiratory issues, to their health issues, because coal miners have gotten it just, I mean, almost... I can't think of workers, uh, especially union workers, that have had more health issues. You go to West Virginia, it's Cancer Row, up and down West Virginia with coal-related illnesses. Uh, LTV believed that it should not have to pay for those workers' health care. Those claims, the company said, should have been handled as part of its bankruptcy reorganization. Ms. Jaren, Ms. Warren's job was to convince the Supreme Court to hear LTV's case, but the court declined. But for Miss Warren, the issue would fester. Over a decade later, it came up in her Senate run, where Scott Brown uh, called her a hired gun who sided against working people. Not that Scott Brown is you know, such a big uh, working class hero. The LTV case was a part of a considerable body of legal work that Warren, one of the nation's leading bankruptcy experts, took on while working as a law professor. Moonlighting that earned her hundreds of thousands of dollars over roughly two decades, beginning in the late 1980s, mostly while she was on the faculty at Harvard. Much of it involved representing big corporate cl- clients. Against the backdrop, some of Miss Warren's critics have seized upon her bankruptcy work for LTV and other big corporations to question the depth of her progressive bona fides. I want to get to some others. Among her corporate clients were Traveler's Insurance and the aircraft maker Fairchild, as well as one of America's wealthiest families, the Hunts of Texas. She advocated for a railroad company that wanted to avoid paying for a Superfund cleanup and advised Dow Chemical as its subsidiary, Dow Corning, dealt with thousands of complaints from women who said they had been harmed by Dow Chemical's silicon breast implants. But she also worked on a number of cases involving consumer bankruptcy and victims' rights in a besto- asbestos litigation, serving as an expert in a lawsuit against the cigarette maker Philip Morris, and represented the lawyer, respect, and represented the lawyer whose battles with polluters inspired the film *A Civil Action*. In a very brief and simple summer, simplified summary, the list casts much of her work, even for corporate clients, in terms that align with her pro-consumer narrative. But those descriptions have themselves become a focus of some contention. And to tell you the truth, mm, I think the New York Times uh, needs to get a little bit more informed because, Jen, if you want to find it for me, I've read some articles that Elizabeth Warren's work on behalf of asbestos uh, about uh, as, in terms of companies with uh, being sued for asbestos was not so charitable. So i got to tell you, I'm not saying uh, this disqualifies her, but when put up against Bernie Sanders, I could tell you what Bernie Sanders was doing in the 1980s and 90s. It was not representing Dow Chemical, who in addition, I don't know much about this breast implant case to be honest with you, but in addition has been trying to push and push for deregulation of very, very harmful uh, pesticides which The Intercept has done great reporting on. Dow Chemical is not a friend of the environment. And by the way, when they're talking about her defending a a railroad company that was going through a Superfund site, I have been on the front lines at Superfund sites from Flint to East Chicago, Indiana. This is where they dump the most toxic projects possible in poor black, poor brown, poor indigenous communities. And Elizabeth Warren was working to defend a railroad company's rights To go through that, as well as, uh, what did the New York Times say here? This is from the Boston Globe. Six months after Elizabeth Warren arrived in Washington to work as an advisor to Congress, she experienced another career milestone in the nation's capital, a seat at the U.S. Supreme Court's Mahogany Council table. The 2009 appearance was the only time Warren helped represent a party before the nation's highest court. And it provides a rare window into a less heralded aspect of the Harvard law professor's career, her time as a working attorney in the courts. The case, Travelers v. Bailey, was remarkable in many respects. It was sprawling and complicated, involving dozens of lawyers, thousands of asbestos victims, and nearly three decades of court battles that still have not ended. It was also notable because Warren, who has gained uh, fame for defending consumers against big, big big business, was in this case working on behalf of a big business. For her contribution, Warren was paid $212,000 over three years by Travelers, the nation's largest insurer. Travelers was fighting to gain permanent immunity from asbestos-related lawsuits by establishing a $500 million trust. The trust would have been divided among current and future victims of asbestos poisoning who had claims against the nation's largest asbestos manufacturer, Johns Mansville, which has been insured by Travelers before it went bankrupt. Travelers won most of what it wanted from the Supreme Court, and in doing so, Warren helped preserve an element of bankruptcy law that ended that ensured that victims of large-scale large corporate malfeasance would have a better chance of getting compensated even when the responsible companies go bankrupt. But after Warren left the case, it continued to twist and turn through the legal system, leaving a result that has been disastrous for asbestos victims. Travelers, in part because of its Supreme Court victory, has held on to its immunity for most lawsuits. So basically, this, this... As part of Mountain Valley Pipeline, Governor Terry McAuliffe, BFF to Bill and Hillary Clinton. You know Terry McAuliffe? He was the governor of Virginia. He made a backroom deal. He made a backroom deal in the final year of his governorship there in Virginia with the Mountain Valley Pipeline Company. And that background deal was they would pay X amount of money now towards whatever if something happens – with the pipeline, they'd pay upfront. Jen, you'd have to check me on this. I think it was 50, million, 50 something, 50 something million dollars that the company would pay. And that would, that money upfront would then make them immune to any other damages if the pipeline explodes or if there's a problem with the pipeline. So basically that's milk money to this pipeline company. They got to pay, I think it was $56 million if my memory serves me correct upfront that would go into basically a pool if something goes wrong with the pipelines for victims, but past that 56000000 million, they're off the hook. So I tell you that example because that's basically what Elizabeth Warren, she wasn't the only lawyer, obviously, for travelers, but that's basically what she was able to do, uh, representing travelers where, all right, we'll put some money forward now for asbestos victims, but it we get immunity past that. So it's essentially... We'll pay a little bit up front and save a whole lot now. Again, I'm not personally saying this disqualifies her. You know, it wasn't five years ago. It was 15 to 20 years ago. But it says something about the kind of person you are. She, as far as I know, what, she was a Harvard professor, I believe. So you would have to think she she... She might not be rich, but she wasn't poor as a Harvard professor. So then you make the argument, well, she had to support her kids and whatever, and there was a lot of money here for her to make. Well, can't you make decent money as a Harvard professor, a a lawyer? Elizabeth Warren, say what you want. She's a brilliant woman, very, very smart woman. Couldn't you have made money doing more... Uplifting things, representing more vulnerable people rather than companies causing asbestos. Dow Chemical causing uh, health issues for women with breast implants. Uh, And the other company mentioned in the New York Times. So again, this is just one part of her background that has not been ever up in a debate has not ever been bro- brought up by other candidates. Why? Why is it that the New York Times is sitting there grilling Bernie Sanders about a rally he went to in Nicaragua? Because he was at a rally in Nicaragua and there was a, some anti-American uh, chants. Did you hear those anti-American chants? Mind you, the Contras were murdering the people of Nicaragua, but they were pressing Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders is is scrutinized, criticized for every little thing down to his praise of Fidel Castro. Elizabeth Warren represented, frankly, in some cases, corporate criminals. Dow Chemical, look into them. They are as corporate criminal as you could find. Again, in fairness, good good on the New York Times for, for talking about this. Uh, they misrepresented her, the, the asbestos thing. They wrote it as a positive thing. It wasn't. She basically helped travelers— basically fork over less money for the victims so that they could get immunity because they knew there's a lot more victims here. Let's fork over this money now so we get immunity for the much larger liability. That Max Blumenthal was just arrested. This is from Aaron Maté. Let's take a look. Max Blumenthal with the gray zone was just arrested on a ridiculous charge stemming from delivering food to besieged activists in Venezuela's D.C. embassy five months ago. Max has done incredible work exposing U.S.-backed coup in Venezuela, and this is a bid to intimidate him. Uh, I'm just going to go read this because this is breaking. Max Blumenthal, the editor of the site The Gray Zone, was arrested on the morning of October 25th on a fabricated charge related to the siege of the Venezuela embassy in Washington, D.C. that took place between April and May. A team of D.C. police officers appeared at Blumenthal's door at just after 9 a.m., demanding entry and threatening to break his door down. A number of officers had taken positions on the side of his home, as though they were prepared for a SWAT-style raid. Blumenthal was hauled into a paddy wagon and ultimately taken to D.C. Central Jail, where he was held for two days in various cells and cages. He was shackled by his hands and ankles for over five hours in one such cage, along with other inmates. His request for a phone call was denied by D.C. police and corrections officers, effectively denying him access to the outside world. Blumenthal was informed that he was accused of simple assault by a Venezuelan opposition member he declared the charge completely baseless. The charge is 100% false, fabricated, bogus, untrue and malicious lie, Blumenthal declared. It is clearly part of a campaign of political persecution designed to silence me and the gray zone for for a factual journalism exposing the deceptions, corruption and violence of the far right Venezuelan opposition. The arrest warrant was five months old. According to an individual familiar with the case, the warrant for Blumenthal's arrest was initially rejected. Strangely, this false charge was revived months later without the defendant's knowledge. If the government had at least told me I had a warrant, I could have voluntarily surrendered and appeared at my own arraignment. I have nothing to fear because I'm completely innocent of this bogus charge. Instead, the federal government essentially enlisted the D.C. police to SWAT me, ensuring that I would be subjected to an early morning raid, and then languish in prison for days without even the ability to call an attorney. Uh, This is outrageous. The gray zone, Jen was there too. Uh, Jen was on the ground for status coup outside this embassy, which the Venezuelan government gave permission (laughs) to the embassy uh, watchers to be there. It is the Venezuelan government's embassy. They have control over it. I believe Max was there covering the standoff, the Venezuelan government, the Secret Service was deployed to illegally take the embassy watchers out of that embassy when they had permission to be there. And now Max Blumenthal is being arrested for quote-unquote charging somebody when in reality... The charge seems to be that he snuck in food. Uh, You guys think I'm joking for the last three years when I said we already live in a fascist country and it it happened long before Donald Trump? This is called fascism. This is what fascist countries do. They shut down the free press. They shut down actual real reporting. They're not shutting down the Washington Post or the New York Times because the Washington Post and the New York Times don't do what Max and the Gray Zone do. Max has also done great reporting from Venezuela. Ben has done great reporting from Honduras, uh, Colombia. So Status Quo is on the ground domestically, but these folks are in some really dangerous areas. Frankly, uh, as far as I know, they are—they don't have any big daddy, sugar daddy funders like some other independent outlets do. And throwing him in a jail cell for. Two days, and I could only go by the report, I don't have any reason to think they it's not accurate. A cage? Not give them a phone call when you are legally entitled to a phone call? This is not just trying to intimidate the press, this is criminalizing the press and this is what they do in fascist dictatorships. And by the way, yes, it's happening under the Trump administration. Don't expect the Democratic Party to speak out on behalf of Max. I don't even expect other media. I don't expect other media to speak out on Max's behalf. You don't have to like Max's reporting. You don't even have to like the Grey Zone. But to be arrested and thrown in a cage for what? For what? Bringing food in an embassy? It's outrageous. So I could only read that report. I'm live, so I, I haven't spoken with any of them. I'm sure I'll get in touch with one of them tonight. But it's very scary, and I'm not gonna, I am not gonna—I won't lie to you. It's scary for us at status quo here. You know, we're not exactly uh, going to do uh, softball interviews on, you know, the local town's prom. Yeah, but honestly, yeah, the fine. video doesn't help either because, I mean, they were there. They had video, yeah. Yeah. but they're literally arresting him for... Bringing in food to an embassy where the people who were in that embassy had permission from the Venezuelan government. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, I mean, obviously we're working on funding ourselves. But if you got it, go drop a couple bucks for the gray zone. I'm sure they're going to have some legal bills now uh, for no reason. But it's really outrageous.